you. You know, for the, this scripture is such an amazing scripture. And uh, when you think about it, asking yourself, how can we be the light of the world as women? I mean, we, re- we actually do live in a time that's extremely dark yeah. in many, many ways, right? Yeah. I mean, the things that our kids are going to have to go through as they grow up are so different from the things that we went through growing up. Um, even last night, my, um, I, have a, I have a 7-year-old, a 10-year-old, and a 14-year-old. And the 10-year-old, um, but we have a, a wonderful sister who is watching them, um, but she didn't uh, know that this particular family that had asked my son to come over, that we didn't know them. And so she let them go to this um, friend's house. And so I was a little panicked about it for many reasons, but of course he got home and my 10-year-old is, uh, has a really soft conscience and he can't go to bed if something's bothering him. So he called me when I was at dinner and, you know, wanted to talk. And sure enough, he said, Mom, I don't want to go over to so-and-so's house anymore. And um, he said, you know, they were watching some videos that weren't very good and they had a lot of bad words in them. And I kept telling him not to watch them. Um, and uh, but he did, and I and I said, was there anything else you guys maybe watched? And he was like, well, I don't know. And I said, was there anything about girls maybe? <laughs> and um, he said, well, yeah, there was some, and they were shaking their booties. And, oh my gosh, you know, just my heart just sank because, granted, they're going to get exposed to things in the world. I realize this is the world they live in, but it's really hard when it starts to infiltrate itself into their tiny little hearts, right? So of course I was. Oh, but at the same time, just going, this is the kind of world we live in, you know, and this is the kind of world that people are, our kids are growing up in. But it just shows the state of the world in marriage, too, right? And so I think, you know, there, there's a poll that was done, and there was, a, um, it used to be in like the 50s that the majority of people were married. If you took the percentage of people in America, most people were married. Now, actually, the whole thing has totally flip-flopped, and most people are single. And so it's a very, very different society that we're growing up in, and the value of marriage is just plummeted, you know, to, to pretty, really low. And when you think about being the light of the world, you know, light, and it, uh, by definition, it's the natural agent that stimulates sight and makes things visible. And I like that idea of making things visible, because what makes us different as people who are striving to love God as daughters of Christ is it's, it's that we're trying to be a light. We're trying to make God visible to this world. You know, one of the convicting parts of that book, um, how many of you have actually read the book for, for you and me forever? There's a, you're reading it now. But one of the convicting parts in that book, um, she says that we are God's plan yeah. to show the world yeah. that he is good and loving and yeah. true. Yeah. And when you think about it, this is his plan. Yeah. Like, I'm a part of God's plan. To show God that He's to show the world that God is real, that He exists, that He is who He is. You know, and that's a privilege and a burden all at the same time. It's not like that makes makes life a little more challenging, honestly. But it takes the focus off of ourselves in marriage and puts it back onto the Creator. And I was thinking about, you know, in order to have the kind of marriages that we want to have and to live the kind of life and have the impact that we want to have, we have to be able to not just focus on God but actually stare at him. And I was thinking about how, well, you know those um, things that used to be popular at one point in time, and they do, they're the paintings or whatever that you have to stare at for a long time before you see the actual image in the middle, which honestly I never have been able to do. <laughs> but um, but you, know, you have to stare for a long time very intently before you see what's intended to be seen. And it's really like that with God. We can't just glance at God. We can't just take a quick snapshot. 
and actually achieve what he wants us to achieve and see what we're supposed to see and give a vision for what we're supposed to give a vision. We really have to take long, hard stares at God. And sometimes when we're taking that long, hard stare to God, it causes us to reflect back on ourselves, right? You know, and I was thinking, what does it mean for women who are, that are striving to um, please God, what does it mean to reflect Him, to be that kind of light that can give that vision, that can help people to see Him? And one of the things that popped into my mind that just is, it, well, I'll tell a story first. You know, my kids, as you know, they're littler. Um, but when my daughter was younger, I remember her coming home and she said, you know, Mom, so-and-so said the S word. And I was like, oh, really? I was like, which S word? <laughs> you know? <laughs> just kind of testing. She, it, was, it was, she said, stupid. And, you know, in our house, and many of your homes as well, you know, stupid and shut up are the two S words, right? Well, I was just happy that it wasn't the word that I didn't want it to be, right? And, um, you know, and it's funny because I think as Christians, we have an S word that's submission, right? <laughs> but, um, and it's very similar in the sense that, you know, we, we kind of spend a lot of time thinking about what submission is not instead of focusing on what submission is, which is another part of, of that of that book that we talk about, you know, we want so much to it for it not to mean what we don't want it to mean, you know, kind of like the other S words. But if you look over in 1 Peter chapter 3, this is really part of God allowing us to be alike. Okay, 1 Peter chapter 3 and in verse 1. Not be new news to most of you, but you never know. You might be a new hearer of this. Don't walk out. There's the good news behind it. Um, in verse 1, it says, Wives, in the same way, be submissive to your husbands, so that if any of them do not believe the word, they may be won over without words by the behavior of their wives when they see the purity and reverence of your lives. Your beauty should not come from outward adornment, such as braided hair and wearing of gold and um, jewelry and fine clothes. Instead, it should be that of your inner self the unfading beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which is of great worth in God's sight. For this is the way the holy women of the past who put their hope in God used to make themselves useful. They were submissive to their own husbands, like Sarah, who obeyed Abraham and called him her master. You are her daughters if you do what is right and do not give way to fear. You know, one of the things about this passage is, is it's giving direction to women to, um, to be submissive to their husbands so that they can be any of them don't believe they can be won over. Well, that's really what we face in the world, right? Maybe many of us have husbands who are believers. I'm confident there's people in the room here that have husbands who are not. And this calling is even all the more important for you. But it's actually important for all of us because we're looking around at people who, who don't have faith in God or who don't really believe that, that the way that the Bible teaches to follow God is good. And the way that we are with our husbands can actually win them over yeah. yes. to find a relationship with God. Yeah. But it takes living without fear. And for this, for most of us, this is it. And you think, well, I'm not really afraid of submission. But I'll tell you what we are afraid of. We're afraid of humility. You know, there's a, there's a part of us, um, as an example, when, you know, how many of you have gotten into a, a fight with your husband and you know that, you know you should say sorry, but by doing that, it's, it's a, you feel like, if you say that, it means you won. 
I mean, I have thought that many, many, many times. Like, I'll be sorry, but I want, I don't want him to feel like that means he won this thing, you know? And, um, but that, you know, a lot of times that is, it's this battle between humility and pride. You know, between being willing to be um, giving it way to our feelings versus giving way to what God demonstrates for us in the Bible as right. And it's a huge part of showing people who God really is. Because this is not normal when you see, when you look at the world. You know, I think even for us, fighting control, you know, and, and trying to, it's something that won't, it's not going to go away. I mean, well, most of us are fairly controlling. We get a little surprised by ourselves, which is kind of funny because it's always been a part of who we are. But we get so surprised. Like, I've had so many people, and I've said this to myself, I just kind of get how controlling I really was, you know? And then you realize that, you know, we're going to be 70 and saying the same thing. But, you know, I think that when, when you decide to live a different kind of life, it really glorifies God. And I have um, this example in my life of a very good friend of mine who is now a disciple. But when we first met, she was in a marriage with a man who was very abusive. And um, he was a police officer, and he carried a gun, and he was not a nice person. And she, she had met him prior to even having any kind of a relationship with God. And so their relationship was extremely dysfunctional. But many years into marriage, she started going to church and finding a relationship with God and had really made a decision to repent in her marriage. And so by the time we met, the, the, her view of how to be with her husband, it, it was incredibly inspiring. And she didn't even know the truth about salvation yet, but she knew that she believed in the Bible, and she knew that she needed to do what was right in the Bible, regardless of how she felt. And there were so many times that I would stand in awe of seeing how she would respond to her husband when he would say really mean things to her, or he would act in a way that honestly, in my nature, I would fight. I, I, I would just, yeah, I would make it, you know, really a lot worse. But she had just made, and he it made him so mad when she would act like that because he wanted her to get mad. He wanted her to fight back, and when she wouldn't, it actually added fuel to the fire. But in her heart of hearts, she just knew that this is what I have to do to be right with God. And um, she did become a disciple, uh, which was, you know, such an amazing day. But her husband never, never repented and actually ended up leaving her. And eventually, he, he actually committed suicide. And, um, but to see her faithful to this day and to see her children um, in church, is, it's so inspiring. And to think she's never given up during all that time. And she's struggling now. I mean, you know, this is, this is still fairly fresh, you know, in the last several years here. So, but, to, but she's struggling. But she, her heart is, I'm going I'm to be submissive to God regardless of what my circumstances are. And it has always been so convicting to me. Because for her, it was never about how satisfied she was in her marriage. It was all about how satisfied she was with God. And when you met her, if you knew her from the outside, you did not know what was going on in, behind closed doors. Not because she was fake, but because she was actually very peaceful. And so it wasn't, and she opened up to me right away. It wasn't something she was trying to hide. She shared with me about her marriage right away. But it, there was a peace inside of her just from doing what's right. And I know most of us, some of you may be in, in, a, in a situation like that. You know, I want to tell you that there's hope that God does, you know, give you that peace. And I know when she makes it to heaven one day, it will all be worth it. Yeah. Um, but I think, you know, for many of us, we're not even in that challenging of a situation. <laughs> we have a hard time, you know, really trusting in God's plan and his will for, for being submissive. And... Um, 
you know, I, I was thinking about this for my own life. There's, Marshall had shared a little bit about that construction that we had done and the hundred and some odd thousand dollars of debt that we ended up getting into. But, you know, the backstory to that is that, um, you know, Marshall really wanted to do, to do this construction. He's a structural engineer by, by trade, and he just had this desire to, like, build, you know. And um, I was very afraid. I'm a super conservative person I'm pretty much every way. And so the thought of, like, putting ourselves out there that way, especially financially, I was just terrified. And I fought him on it for a long time. And then I kept feeling like, I, I just, I do need to be submissive to this. You know, I, I need to trust in his leadership. I need to, you know, go through this. But every step of the way was very hard. Every decision we made, hey, should we do this? If we're you know, should we do an air, air conditioning system if we're going to put all this? I mean, every decision, I was like, no, no, no. <laughs> Whatever saves us money, please don't do this. And, um, but again, just going, you know, okay, God, I'm just going to, I'm going to submit to my husband in this area. Um, when we finished it, and that's literally right as the housing market crashed. I'm like talking like right as it did, and so we never, we could not refinance our house. The, the value of our house plummeted, and so we were stuck with all this debt. And the feeling I had inside was this growing bitterness that I had never experienced before as a Christian. I just felt like God had trusted in you, and I had all these fears of what would happen, and all of them were coming true. I mean, everything. From I was worried about what would happen to our children. We had to take our kids out of their activities. We had to take my son out of preschool, which now, looking back, isn't that kind of a deal. But at the time, it felt like um, I was failing. And we were failing them, and we were failing each other, and I was going to have to figure out how to work, and I had small kids, and we had to make a decision I was going to stay home with them and not have them go to daycare. It was just all of these things that, you know, were my greatest fears were coming true. And I remember writing a letter to God one day. And I was telling him, I'm, I'm bitter inside. I, I don't trust my husband anymore. And I was, but I was afraid. I'm like, I am so afraid of how I feel because I didn't want to feel that way. Yeah. And um, I didn't know how to get out of it. And I just think, you know, I'm so grateful for people in my life that loved me through that time. And there, we had a lot of people that loved us through that time, people that helped us out, people that, you know, did not give up on us, and, and you know, people that, you know, helped us to work through feelings and things like that that we had. But ultimately, I had to go back to God and go back again and, and decide I'm not going to give up on the, what God says is true. That's right. And, um, you know, and it's been many years, and when he says we've paid off all this debt, it is, you know, by the grace of God that it's happened. But I also think it's been a, it's been a very good road for me spiritually to have to face myself and to have to face those kind of, bitternesses that could come up in my marriage. And Marshall had always had a very good marriage, and that's why it was such a weird time, is to feel like I all of a sudden don't trust him right now. And I just, I felt grateful for him being humble, and it, it did take some years for him to see, you know, how much that kind of hurt me and, and that kind of thing. But I also feel so grateful for the way that just God's grace that, um, you know, that he didn't, he just didn't give up on us through that. And I just know that there's always hope if we can hold on to that and just not you know, give in to all of those fears, because I, I felt like all my fears came crashing down on me, and they were, it was not a fun time as a Christian, for sure. But it reminds me, you know, just, uh, too, of the other side of things, of how much we really need each other yeah. in the kingdom of God. I mean, I, I, I think that, you know, when you, when sometimes when we first become Christians, it's very hard to open ourselves up and to feel like we can let people in. And then I think once we've been Christians for a long time, 
it starts over again. You know, because you feel like you should know this already, you should be there already. Um, and and it's, it's, it's never going to end. I'm realizing that the you know, longer I'm married, but this is just who we are and we need the people in our life. And, you know, we have the privilege of working with the singles in, our, um, in the ministry, and we've had lots of people get married. We've had a ton of people get married in Orange County. And this one particular couple that we're working with right now, they, um, they're just a great couple. They've been Christians a long time, really faithful servants of God. Um, when they got married, they, the fights they would start to have, they literally would go through this time, like we'd get with them to this house of going, oh, we haven't spoke for four days. Like, what do you do? <laughs> you know, how do you walk around the house and not speak to each other? We just don't. You know, when that was kind of their natural MO, they just, you know, that was the way that they dealt with things. And so we started to talk with them and get with them and work through. So then the last time we, the last fight they got, they got into, it was still a pretty bad fight, honestly, but they talked about it day one. And they came over and they were feeling very defeated because there, there was a pretty big argument. And I told them, I said, guys, look at you. You'd last, a few months ago, you would have gone four days without speaking to each other. We're here the next day. I mean, this is awesome progress, you know? And, um, and I think for them to see that, like, they're growing. But you know what? If we if we were not in each other's lives, right. if they did not have people in their lives, right, yeah. I mean, I don't think they'd make it because they just they wouldn't have the hope. It's, we have to help each other to hold on to that hope, and I believe we have to be that for the people in our lives around us. Amen. That we have so many people that need to know that there's hope in marriage. I mean, many of you were married when you became Christians, and you know the power of change. You know the power of God and how he can work in your life, but people just don't know that. But I think our example and what they see in us, just like what I saw my friend that, you know, who, who was in that abusive relationship, I mean, granted, I was helping her become a Christian, but she taught me how to be a better wife. And we need each other in that way. You know, and so we're going to go into panel um, discussions here, and we're going to be able to discuss, you know, have questions and things like that. You might, you know, if you haven't filled out your card yet, you know, write it down and, and fill it out and turn it in. But I want to give us all a challenge to not give in to fear, to think about yourself. Think, what is the area in my marriage right now that I'm giving in to worldly thinking versus what God really says? And make it your goal that you're going to go after this. Get help in your life. Open up with somebody that can help you. And, and, and go after changing it because it's an important part of us in our mission. You know, there's over 60 one another commands in the New Testament. It, it shows that God has a plan that is bigger than ours. Mm-hmm. And that we're not supposed to be this closed system of just helping each other out. Well, I know I can help my husband change. If I just keep doing this, he's going he's gonna to see it, you know? <laughs> or I can help her. You know, it's not going to work that way. We really need each other. And that's my other challenge, is if you're not in some kind of relationship um, that's helpful to you, you know, in your marriage and helpful to you in your relationship with God, find one. And even if that means you're here for the first time or you're coming to church here and you just started... Find somebody you can get open with. The, the, the promises that God has are really immense when it comes to putting him in, in first in your life. So thank you so much for letting me share, and I hope you'll have a great rest of our week. Well, I don't know about you, but I super appreciate you. So, yeah, I don't really don't need a microphone, but... <laughs> Don't, you, don't hurt yourself. Okay. Let's just try to help. I actually did. <laughs> 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 okay, who's our panel? We have Shum. Yeah. Shum
I appreciate your realness. <laughs> um, and just the examples uh, in their own life. And I think it is a challenge. I mean, you know, going through the questions, obviously we're not going to get to every single question. Um, but I would encourage you uh, to either email or call or text or sign language, I don't know, whatever you do, to get the question answered if you feel really compelled like it. Because we're obviously we don't have that much time. But um, I appreciate what she said about bitterness because yeah. as women, I think this yeah. is our biggest struggle. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I think our lack of submission is a, is a struggle, and I'm speaking from experience, okay? So I'm just talking about me. This is who I am. I know you probably all thought I was really submissive. <laughs> 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 yeah.
especially when we first start in relationships, you know, the, the passion, the pure sex of it, you know, we, we love that, our husbands love that, and I think as time goes on, we discover the power of intimacy, emotional intimacy, and how that is really exciting as well. And if we don't, gosh, I could stand up. Yeah. <laughs> She can't walk around bitter, but she 
was serving and doing these things and obeying God, and look what happened. Right. But I think at the end of time, you've got to realize if you're really there to serve God, you serve him to the best of your ability and know that that's God's plan for you. Right. Yeah. And that that's going to be an example to somebody else who's going to be in those same shoes. So. Yeah. yeah, I think that's awesome. Without yeah. expectation and then without attitude or business. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay, so how, uh, how to balance or do out-of-country missions once kids are in college. Um, do you want to take this, or I can't have Okay. Uh, we also continue to the night for dinner. They're awesome couple. The elder, he's an elder in the, uh, the Spanish-speaking churches. And um, they laid out this whole plan for us. It was so convicting. Because instead of vacations, what they do, now that their kids are gone and they're loving it, they're like, they're like us, woohoo, we're free, you know. Um, but they're going uh, to different churches. They just call the church and say, we're coming. We're coming. Uh, we're going to be there for five days. You fill up our days. We'll serve. We'll do whatever you want. And that's what they do. And then right now they're doing a lot of the uh, Central and South American churches. And uh, so they do that several times a year. Plus it's super cheap. And they stay with people there. They don't do the big hotel thing or whatever. Um, and that's what they do. So if, you know, maybe you, you have a, you're on a budget, okay, um, and, and you can't, you know, you, there aren't, you can't, like, take these big, huge trips. You can't just spend your whole, uh, you know, latter years on the mission field. But there are things that we can do. Yeah. Plus, living here in Southern California, there's always stuff we can do across the border. Right. So, and I know that we have groups that do that, yeah. and there, but it doesn't have to be part of our group. Right. What a great way to influence other right. other people, and maybe win them for Christ, yeah. uh, because they see you serving yeah. over the border. Yeah. So, okay. All right. Question. How can I build my trust? How can I increase my faith?
when I think back to when I was a, even a child and even a young teen, I had a very strong faith in God mm-hmm. and a very um, sort of pure-hearted faith in God. Mm-hmm. Um, even before I became a Christian, I had a very strong faith in God. And it really is life's challenges and circumstances and struggles and disappointments that start to slight erode mm-hmm. your faith. So. In terms of answering how do I increase my faith, I mean, the Bible does say faith comes from hearing the message. And I think that if we can all just recommit ourselves to really, um, like I was really praying this morning, like I really want to be studying. I just finished studying the book of Mark because I wanted to focus back on Jesus. But then I was praying this morning, I really want to increase in my faith. And the Spirit just kind of prompted me to leave, read the book of Hebrews. But I would say really um, identify maybe the areas where your faith has been eroded as a result of blank, and then get open, when we talk about other people being in our lives, get open with other people, and then really try to target those areas of weakness with specific scriptures or specific Bible studies um, to build up your faith again. Because we're all in the battle for our faith. It talks about how our faith is a greater worth than gold. And I've really seen that it's not just a given, like I'm just going to hold on to my faith the rest of my life, or I'm going to be faithful. Um, that, that that really is, we have to keep fighting very hard to hold on to our faith. And, and that our marriage actually can be a tool to erode our faith, yeah. as Sean talked about. So I don't know if that answers the question. That's 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 what is your best tip on overcoming insecurity as a woman? Years. 
So, you know, I, you know, he was, he's a
Um, okay, let's see. I'm just listening for the guys. We're going to go until I hear the guys, because the guys, I know I will hear. Dana 
kids, um, but obviously it sounds like the kids are older. Um, I think it's important not for us to not, and this is coming from a very legalistic person, so I'm very legalistic about my walk with God, but I think it's important to not be legalistic, but to be committed. So in other words, like sometimes we can feel like, oh my gosh, I need to pray in the morning because the kids, maybe the kids, when they're young, they might have had needs in the morning and you really needed to meet their needs, and that's okay. But I think it's then it's sort of the heart of, oh my gosh, my life is so crazy that I don't ever take time. You know, and it's it's the best gift you can give your children is your devotion yeah. to God. Yeah. Um, and I know um, even recently with my daughter, I mean, she's an adult now and, and all that, but she was saying that, she was asking me, like, Mom, can you, like, I really see that your prayer life is important to you. Can you explain to me, like, can you help me? You know, and I think they notice, like, they'll notice if you're, if it's important to you. It's, it's really something that you make your time for. They want to learn from that. So... You know, I think it's just, you know, it's the Matthew 6.33. It, it really is the number one priority of what's going to help. It's gonna, it's what's going to help you to be a better mom and be a, be a better wife. But I know that's not very practical, but I guess what I would say is make the time. Just don't be legalistic about it, but make sure you make the time. Or even, sometimes even, I would have the kids, like, crawl into bed with me, and they would just sort of lie quietly, and I would pray. Or, I mean, it's like you have to be creative when you have young children, but don't throw it out because you're so frazzled. Because that, that will really hurt them down the road. Yeah. So. Um, well, I was just sitting here thinking, like, oh my gosh. I, I was probably like the worst example when my kids were little in terms of my daily walk with God. But I do think that, um, you know, for me, it's just always been finding something that works. And I think it changes over time. Yeah. I don't know how long this person has been a disciple, but when you become a disciple and you're younger and you have a lot of time, and then you get, you know, you have kids, you don't realize what that does to, you know, your time. And so I've just found for me that what works best for me is having a quiet house before everybody gets up, which has required me to get up very early. But it's what works for me. It doesn't work for everybody, but it works if that's the only thing that has worked for me. My kids are not, not two anymore, but they still, you know, they get up at seven. I mean, so I have to get up much, much earlier than that to have a good quiet time. Right. I, I really wish I had had that input when I was when they were really little because I could have done it then too. But I think I was still trying to do that thing where I give them my same time and I'll just go play while I have my quiet time. And that just doesn't happen, you know? And so I, for me, it was just finding I have to figure out what do I have to do to make it happen. And that's just what it's been. You know, it's just it's a, it's a sacrifice, but it's plain and simple. And often that means going to bed earlier. Yeah. 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 Well, this has been awesome. Um, just so you guys know, so Mark Shump um, is an elder in the West Side Church, yeah. and they serve there. The wit- and they're, they're not full-time. For some reason, people think our elders are full-time. And then um, Andy Wingy serves in the South Bay Church as elder, along with Karina by his side. Yep. And they um, are volunteers also. And you guys have been married 30 years, she's been married 25 years, both married in the kingdom, right? And how old have you guys been married? 21. 21 years, married in the kingdom. Steve and I have been married 30 years, not married in the kingdom, so it can be done. <laughs> but there's a lot more undoing, I'm fine. Yeah. But, but, it, but, it, but it can be done. And God can take what was broken. I just want to leave you here with hope today. Um, we've been married six years, we both have committed adultery. And, um, support Christians. Yes, BC. Let <laughs> 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 clarify that. We've been married six years. We've both committed adultery. We've been separated. We're very much about our careers. 
period, which is funny because, like you said, the thing that God wants you to you're like terrified. I was really mad when God asked us to go into ministry. But anyway, but I'm just saying, God can take anything that's broken. Yeah. If you're willing to be humble, yeah. regardless of what your spouse does, right. you know, yeah. um, if you're willing to be humble and trust God, yeah. I mean, when it's hard, like gut level, everything inside of you yeah. is telling you for your self-preservation not to obey what God's saying, or you try to dance around or dress it up like you are obeying, but you're not really obeying. If you really obey God and are humble, God can take what is broken and make it beautiful and make it great and and use that. So, you know, I just want to thank you guys for your example. God, I pray, first of all, thank you so much for the thousands that you've given us, God. And I pray that we would all have a, a deep trust and, and conviction that God, that you you gave us uh, the man that you want in our lives. And that, that uh, however it's going right now, God, that you have uh, greater things ahead for us and that you can build on whatever little bit we give to you, God, that you can build on. And I pray that we leave here with a big vision, that we leave here trusting you ultimately, God, that, that we would leave here with, a, with, with a, a commitment to make our marriage something that uh, you can be proud of and that is useful for you, God. And in doing so, just turn ourselves over and, and, and be fulfilled in our walk with you and in our marriage. God, we love you so much. Thank you for all the ways you bless us. Thank you for the meat and uh, their humility yeah. and their openness and vulnerability and just the things that they shared with us, God. Yeah. Um, please be with the rest of our time tonight. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Amen.